0: Chapter 21, verses 5 to 9, and you can find it on page 1056, Luke 21, verses 5 to 19. Some of his disciples were remarking about how the temple was adorned with beautiful stones and with gifts dedicated to God. But Jesus said, As for what you see here, the time will come when not one stone will be left on another. Every one of them will be thrown down. Teacher, they asked, when will these things happen? And what will be the sign that they are about to take place? He replied, watch out that you are not deceived, for many will come in my name claiming, I am he, and The time is near. Do not follow them. When you hear of wars and uprisings, do not be frightened. These things must happen first, but the end will not come right away. Then he said to them, nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes, famines, and pestilences in various places, and fearful events and great signs from heaven. But before all this, they will seize you and persecute you. They will hand you over to synagogues and put you in prison, and you will be brought before kings and governors, and all on account of my name. And so you will bear testimony to me. But make up your mind not to worry beforehand how you will defend yourselves. For I will give you words and wisdom, that none of your adversaries will be able to resist or contradict. You will be betrayed, even by parents, brothers and sisters, relatives and friends, and they will put some of you to death. Everyone will hate you because of me, but not a hair of your head will perish. Stand firm and you will win life. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
1: Good morning. I would like to say thank, thanks to um, Pastor Mike, who is not with us, and also um, Pastor Neil for having me here this morning to speak from God's word. You may wonder how I ended up here this morning. Um, In the month of March, um, I happened to be in the New Wine Leaders' Conference um, in Hammersmith, and um, we met, Mike and Neil, and we all met, and uh, they contacted me and invited me (coughs) to come and speak God's word. So thank you so much for having me this morning. I understand that you have been um, studying from the book of Ephesians. So the passage for us today is chapter 4 from 1 to 16. Before I get into the word, let me say a few words about me. My name is Sam. I come from the southern part of India, a place called Kerala. Anybody been to Kerala? Yes, at least one person. Kerala is called uh, a land full of coconuts and bishops. there is some connection between the two. Um, I don't have time to explain all those. I speak Malayalam. That's my first language. Uh, Hindi is my second language and English is my third language. So if you don't understand a thing, don't worry. I joined All Nations um, 17 years ago. Um, And for me, it's a humbling experience to be part of an amazing training where we train people coming from almost 29, 30 nations every year. And uh, mostly people are highly qualified professionals like doctors, nurses, dentists, physiotherapists, lawyers. And they resign their jobs, come for a year two or three, get trained and go to poor parts of the world. TO SERVE THE LORD IN THE KINGDOM. AND FOR ME, um, IT'S A GREAT PRIVILEGE TO BE uh, SUCH A PART OF uh, THE TRAINING. SO I BRING GREETINGS TO ALL NATIONS CHRISTIAN COLLEGE. Um, SO LET'S TURN TO GOD'S WORD THIS MORNING. USUALLY I SPEAK FOR ONE AND A HALF HOURS AND THAT'S INDIAN Uh, Culture, but I know we have only 20 minutes, so I will finish within 20 minutes. Um, I have three things to share with you this morning from the passage. First of all, the unity of the church, the maturity of the church, and the purity of the church. Verses 1 to 6, Paul admonishes the efficient believers to walk a walk worthy of their call and when you study verse 1 it is an appeal it is a matter of urgency to work for unity and maintain unity This is the first part of the ethical section in the book. Every book of Paul, every epistle of Paul, has two major sections. One is the theology, and that is this grace. What God has done for us in Christ Jesus, he has poured out his love and demonstrated his love, abundant grace. That is theology. So that is from chapter one to three. But chapter 4 opens with this appeal, which is a response, our response to God's grace. We call it ethics. So theology and ethics must go together. We have a responsibility and that's what this chapter is all about. So let's start. Paul says, I urge you to walk a walk, mean to live a life worthy of your call. And the word Worthy or Worthiness is a word used for balance. Uh, Balance? Yes. I remember being a small boy in India, go to the grocery shop and buy 500 grams or 1 kilogram or 2 kilograms of sugar or salt or whatever. And they put a 1 kilogram of weight on on the one side of the balance and on the other side, they put the product. Salt or sugar or whatever. And how do we know whether it is one kilogram? Because there is a needle in the balance. And if the needle is straight, that means it is of equal weight. Paul is using that terminology of equilibrium. Varti means being straight. So that means what God has done for us, amazing grace. Equally, we have a responsibility to live our life. Our life being straight with God. So, walk a walk worthy of the call. So, this call is a call for unity. And that is up to verse 6. But if you continue to read Chapters 4 and 5, you see there are three, there are five types of walk. Here in the first few verses, we see walking in unity. And that's our theme this morning together, walking in unity. The second part of chapter 4 is about walking in holiness. Chapter 5 starts with walking in love. And the second part of chapter 5 starts with walking in the light. And finally, it finishes with walking in wisdom. So this is about Christian walk. Walking in unity, in holiness, in love, in light and wisdom. To maintain unity, Paul says, we need to have five ingredients. And that is listed in the next verse. Humility. Gentleness, patience, bearing with one another, love. See, each of these needs to be explained, but I don't have time. But I just want to pick one, and that is gentleness. We may think gentleness is something like, okay, we just, humility and gentleness, we are like a kind of doormat, and people stamp on us, and the way we look, the way we walk, and no, that's not... Gentleness and humility. Gentleness here in this context is like into a dog. A dog. See, when the owner comes, the master comes to the house, what does the dog do? Yes, the, the dog tails, the dog wags It tails, comes closer. No barking at all. But if a stranger comes, the dog barks. A gentleness meaning, when you recognize the master you love, and when you recognize a stranger, you bark. When you you recognize a stranger, you bark. And when you recognize your own master, you laugh. That is the word used there. Gentleness is not the other way around. When you see sin, you need to bark at it. And when you need to see godly things, embrace it. And that is gentleness. Sin needs to be confronted. Humility. Paul says, to the church in... Uh, to the Ephesian leaders in Acts, I serve with humility. Actually, he is showing his own example through his example when he said, with great humility I serve. We see that in Acts 20, 19. So, this is not a strange message because Paul already talked to them in Acts chapter 20, verse 19. It's very interesting, he says, make every effort to maintain unity Meaning to take pains, to keep the unity and the spirit gives the unity, but we need to maintain it. And he says, there is one body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism and one God and father of all. If you look at the previous chapter, chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, there Paul prays for three things for the Ephesian Christians you might have looked at in the last week he prays verses 16 and 17 that you may have inner strength from the holy spirit you may have abiding presence of christ in your hearts and then you might be rooted and established in love to realize how wide and long and high and deep is the love of god and that is amazing paul is using two metaphors rooted and established rooted is a kind of uh, botanical imagery and established is an architectural imagery. And we know what happens when building doesn't have foundation. And plants doesn't have soil. And that is the imagery. You must be rooted and established in love. Paul is saying your foundation to stand and your root to grow It is sand. It is... the the, the sand and the foundation, it is the love. For you to continue in your Christian life, you need foundation and you need sand or soil. And the foundation and the soil is love. I just want to ask a question before I go further. Do we have enough sand or enough soil and good foundation? Paul is saying we need to have love. To maintain unity. So he's praying for love. He's praying for unity. It's very interesting. Why? Why is this? If you look at John 17, Jesus is praying for unity. Father, I pray that they may be one as you and I are one. Maintaining unity is not an easy task. God could create the whole world with a simple word, let it be, and there was. But to make two people one, Jesus is praying. Father, I pray that they may be one, as we are one. What a paradox. The Lord who could create the whole world With a word, now he is agonizing. So we need to keep unity. Secondly, maturity. Am I doing right with the time? 7 to 13, we see diversity of gifts and services. We need maturity in the church. Paul says, but to each one of us, grace has been given. And then verse 11, he says, Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. This is a body imagery which we see in Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12. He gave grace to people and he also gave special people to the church. And we see a five-fold ministry, Apostles, Prophets, Evangelists, Pastors and Teachers. I just want to bring before you two readings. One, a reading from King James Version and another one from NIV. And you look at the difference. And because of the lack of time, I am going to read by myself. I am going to read from KJV, King James Version. He gave Apostles, Prophets, Evangelists, And all these people for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. That means all these five people or the gifts, they do three things. They perfect the saints, they do the work and they edify the body. That means the apostles, the prophets, pastors, teachers and evangelists, they are the one doing all the three. But look at NIV. And that's what we had this morning, being read to us. He gave them all these people to prepare God's people for the works of service. So that the body of Christ may be built up. That means these five people, they prepare God's people in the church. So that the people in the church go and prepare others. So the body of Christ may be built up. So these special offices or offices do one thing and they prepare the church members and the church members do the work of the ministry, thereby building up the body of Christ. So the first reading, that is the KJV reading, the pastor or the evangelist or all these people, they are autocratic. They do all, the, all things. They do everything. And the believers don't have any place in the ministry. I don't think that is the way Paul wrote. And this is the problem with punctuation in translation. But if you look at NIV, all these five people equip others, and then they do the building up of the body of Christ. And you may think, what is the right reading? Look at Paul and what he did. He was not an autocratic. He had a team. He had Timothy, Titus, Aquila, Priscilla, Phoebe. All these people work together as a tea. And that's, that's the way the church grows. In order for the church to grow, everybody needs to pull the weight. If you have 100 members in a church, only 20% of the people are devoted, committed to the task of the church, other 80% are spectators. Church won't grow. If you want your church to grow, everybody needs to participate in the ministry of the church. That doesn't really mean preaching every Sunday here, but maybe sweeping the church, making a cup of coffee, putting the heating on, playing the organ. Every part of the, the, the service is a ministry unto God. So he says to equip the church. What does that mean to equip? That is the word used for putting the bones back into its original position. If, if a bone is dislocated, you put the the physiotherapist put it back. That is the word used. And that is the word used for mending fishing nets. If the net is broken, you mend it. So, the ministry in the church is mending, restoration, preparing to train and equip saints, putting the bonds back into its original position. So that's why Christ gave these people to church, so that they can bring the believers to maturity and completion of works for the service, which is diaconia, from which we have the word deacon. Deacon simply means not a title, it is service. Service. Ministry is service, not circus. Ministry is service. Servanthood. Not circus. We all attain to the unity of the faith. And here it is interesting. It it applies to all members of the church. The whole church in unity. It is not individualistic. It is corporate. (coughs) But in in Colossians, (coughs) it is individual as well. He says Colossians 1.28 I may do all these things so that I may present everyone perfect, mature in Christ. So Paul's agony is individually and as a corporate body we will grow in maturity together to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. I'm coming to the end. And that's the third part. And that is purity. Fourteen to 60. So we looked at unity, maturity, and purity. You will no longer be infants based back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by the every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Paul is talking about the heresies in the church. He uses three imageries and I just want to briefly explain and then finish. Children imagery, children, they are using infants. That means they don't have any discernment, children don't have any discernments and can be led, astra- led astray. If you give them a candy or chocolate, they will come with you. Immaturity of infants, instability, individualism should be avoided in the church. The second imagery is a bot imagery. Boat. Tossed back and forth by the waves. A boat imagery. Out of control on a wild sea. And the third imagery is cunning and craftiness of people. That is a magical imagery. As a magician. People can be deceived by tricks and craftiness into believing what is impossible. And that's why church needs to keep its purity in God's word. Being blown away, led away, led astray, by craftiness of false teachings. So, it is so important when Hebrews, book of Hebrews says, do not be carried away by all kinds of strange teachings. Hebrews chapter 13 verse 9, it is good for our hearts to be strengthened by grace, not by eating ceremonial foods, which is of no benefit to those who do so. So here Paul is warning the Ephesian Christians of heresy. He warned the same thing, earlier in Acts 20, chapter, chapter 2, chapter 20, verse 29. He says, "...fear's wolves will come from among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking perverse things, to draw away the disciples after them." Because he said the same thing in Acts as well. And now He is telling to the people in Ephesus. And let's finish. He says, verse 15, speak the truth in love. So in order to grow up to Christ together in love, we need to speak the truth in love. Literal translation is truthing in love, speaking the truth in love. Do everything in love. In this case, the purpose will be fulfilled. And that is the building up of the body of Christ. Here Paul is saying, Christ is the sphere, and Christ is the goal, and Christ is the source of growth. Let's pray. Father, we love you, we worship you, we glorify you. We pray that you would enable us to walk a walk to live a life worthy of your call, to walk in humility, love, and gentleness, to maintain the unity in our families, in our churches. We pray, Father, that you would enable us to use our gifts, all what you have given us, to equip the body of Christ so that we all will be built up together in love. Father, we pray that you would enable us by your spirit to watch out for the heresies and to live a holy life to keep ourselves pure in life and in doctrine. Lord, I pray for this church. We pray that you would bless everyone here, that they would grow in unity, maturity, and in purity. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Amen.